Hi, and welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program. I'm Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, and I am so excited. Make sure that you tell your friends and your enemies and anybody else to watch this program today because I know it's going to be a phenomenal thing. Uh, last week when Apostle Barry was talking about many different things, today as I was getting ready, putting on my new perfume, and... Um, for this program, I thought about something that he not only understands and talks about history, but he is a history maker. He's not afraid. Come on in, Apostle Barry. You can come in while I'm talking about you. It's okay. Um, he's not afraid to trouble the waters. He's not afraid to utilize what God has placed in him and use the word of God as it is written. And even if it offends people, he gives people the opportunity also to obey God where it says, take no offense. And the word of God says that the word would offend. We don't offend people, but the word of God will offend. So I'm just really, I mean, I'm, I'm almost, I mean, I was in tears almost to realize and to just be blessed with that God put me and a friendship with, with a man such as this. And, and to be able to bring these things forth, because I thought that there was a lot wrong with me at first. And then I meet someone that has the boldness, that has the conviction of the word of God, and that loves God more than people that will not compromise. So I, I welcome you today. And as we're talking about these different things, and this is what the word, this is what the people need. They don't need all this fake crap that, that just goes around trying to make people feel good. It's not about feeling good in the flesh, but it is about the word of God. And if we don't do this, then we're going to have to answer to him one day. So if I'm wrong in any of that, feel free to correct me, but I know I'm not. Welcome. <laughs> Dr. Baker, thank you so much. Bless you. And, uh, it's an honor to be with you. I say that often, but I don't say it lightly, nor if you know me, I don't always say it. <laughs> I say other things, but um, it is an honor to be here. And it's an honor to be talking about the subjects that we're talking about. Um, dear, um, you know, sometimes people look at the titles and they think, oh, he's just going to be talking about churches. This is not what I say all the time. It doesn't matter talking on there's there's pastoral elements in the text there's evangelistic elements in the text there's prophetic elements in the there's teaching elements and there's all of these elements are contained within a text wouldn't an apostle automatically find if he's apostolically inclined I pose a oracle question, but at the same time, I, I'm thinking people, I hear people always say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm an apostle. I don't think that way. And I'm thinking, well, because you're an apostle, you should be thinking that way. I mean, it's like that's opposite of what you're saying. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's amazing how we, we limit ourselves in our willingness to be available to God. And we pick and choose and then wonder why things don't work out or when we need a good power surge, we don't have one. And, and there's reasons why. Um, but let's get back to this structure as we're talking about 
the elements of the church. The church isn't old. The church isn't dying out. The church is new wineskin. It's not based on old things. What will it look like differently than what it was before? Who cares? Um, the point is, I mean, in my my perspective, we spend way too much time trying to figure out aesthetics. What's my aesthetics going to look like? But here's the deal. If you do the work in its raw form, it produces according to its time and season. Is going The crop it produces is going to come with a grace that gives ideas for a new season. So if you're planning to, I'm just going to plan it, I'm going to put this crop in molds, but it just doesn't work and nobody stays. Because you have to go in, if you're going into it new, go into it expecting God to give you new strategies. And see, we talked about the churches and we talked about the very first church pattern that was given was the Jerusalem church. And we talked about the fact that this church kept growing huge because of their evangelistic endeavors and their pastoral care endeavors. Even though they weren't organized at this time, if you'll remember, there was such a spirit among the people that they would bring, sell things and bring the money to the church and just bless the church, say, however, we, whatever we need to do to grow, here, put this towards it. And, and remember, that's how Barnabas first got into this thing. He was in town. He was a Levitical priest. He was a business owner. And he was moved by the message. He gets involved. The first thing we see of him is going and selling one of his extra pieces of land and giving the money to the church. Um, amazing. I mean, again, I say that if if the real estate people in our churches would get together and sell a piece of property every quarter for an add-on, for an addition, for so you didn't have to ask for extra money, whatever. I mean, that, and that's just one avenue. I mean, there's, and people do this in other countries. I talk about it all the time. And people say, well, you need to hammer more on money and you got to have trick offering lines. No, you don't. You have to, and see, and that's not asking people to do anything that they're not, benef they're benefiting from that. Yes, they're, they're sacrificing, giving their time, their energy in order to propagate that and get the highest bid they can for the, the blessed church with. You know, that's a sacrifice in it. But at the same time, they're doing deals together and making money all the time. I mean, this is something they're setting aside for. It's powerful. But because when we understand this, we see that the structural base of leadership, when it was first started, did not increase until the crisis of the Hellenistic Jews, is who it was, arose up in Acts chapter 6. And then we see those anointed and those serving among them like many churches, they didn't have order, but but they're blessing people. They had a good heart. They're trying to reach people, but the circumstances demanded a new set of leaders to emerge, and, and they had to have a different mindset. And these seven men who were appointed were limited in their spiritual capacity and were only allowed to do the natural administration. They immediately incorporated pastoral care means. So deacons were not somebody that governed the church. They were somebody that pastored the people. That's one of the hugest differences now in what I see deacons do otherwise. Well, they serve communion on the first Sunday out of every month. They help and they rotate. That's extra. That's extra stuff. That's not... 
the main reason they were established. And the, and the, and the Bible tells us what they were established with, for, and what kind of character that they needed to have. Though the church was in, in the thousands of people at, by this time, there was no mention of elders. There was no evangelists or prophets in the early years of the church at Jerusalem. Even the expansion from Jerusalem to Samaria happened when the context of persecution rather than that obedience to the divine commissioning. So you see, they weren't really looking for the gifts among the body. <laughs> they weren't trying to, I mean, Philip rose up out of that as a great evangelist. Barnabas rises up out of it as an apostolic pastor, you know, and, and, and taking all these young apostles and called people that were really anointed in and helping train them and get them a place to go and get them somebody to let them preach. And I mean, just a networking, I mean, it's just phenomenal when we see this. But you know the story, Acts 8, 1, which is opposite of 1, 8, you know, which Terry in Jerusalem tell you being due with power. Now 8, 1 says, and Saul was in hard agreement putting uh, to death uh, people. And on that day, a great persecution arose against the church and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. See, God was getting them in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They got scattered into the places that God told them to go. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, I I think that we start to move for God and then we wonder why the enemy's chasing us. And that's because we sat down and didn't go far enough. We were supposed to go further and we sat down just right outside the gates of hell. We're like, whoa, thank God I ain't in the gates of hell, but I can still see everybody, you know, my my homies back there. What's up? What's up? Yeah, 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 man. I'll be over in a minute. You know, nah, nah. you know but 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 you're so close that you, you really can't get where you need to get to. And Philip then, we see Philip was sent to Samaria and revival broke out. Think about that. They had an evangelist that could have broke revival out in their midst the whole time. Couldn't recognize them. They were stuck in their system. They were stuck in, in their deal. So uh, he outgrew his responsibility as a server. But that also means he was a server until God did something to promote him. He <laughs> didn't look like a promotion, which is a lot of times that's how we get into our next spot. Because <laughs> people still see us as the old place. And so it takes something new. And, 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 you know, they, he was a server, but he broke forth in dimensions of the spirit. The seven deacons were only required, you know, to meet a specific need. And when the administration was smoothly going on, then they no longer had a need for service. They didn't have an activation for service. And, and I just want to say, raising leadership to meet a need and not having a development program to mature leadership will constantly result in many positional leaders in a church rather than functional leaders. We'll have people in positions, people with titles, everybody's evangelist, everybody's pastor, so-and-so. Everybody, I know I say this all the time, but somebody just introduced me to somebody the other day and said, this is pastor so-and-so. I said, same thing I always say, fantastic, great to meet you. Tell me how you pastor. What do you mean? What do you, what type of program do you use? How do you oversee your people? How many people do you have that that go out? Are they in pot? Do you separate them by zip codes? Do you, I just started going all these different methods of doing it, and they just stared at me. And of course, the, this will give it away. The lady looks at her husband and she goes, "Honey, what do we do?" 
And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said pastor. My bad. I feel the same way with pastors I meet, head senior guys. And I'm like, fantastic. So good to meet a pastor. Tell me how your structure works. And I'm thinking I'm going to gain some insight. So now it's all, it looks like I'm attacking people. And I'm thinking, man, I'm attacking you for asking you how you do. You, what, what do you call yourself again? I'm, th- I'm getting confused. Maybe why don't you say minister? Why don't you say, you know, whatever, speaker, teacher? Now, I don't even know if he's that, though. I hadn't heard him. But anyway, it, it, the point of it is, <laughs> you know, these men went out to find something to do when they were scattered. And and but they didn't just go out randomly. They took authority, order, structure, doctrine, all of this stuff with them. They even took their understanding of authority with them. They weren't trying to break rank. It's like Luther. Everybody says, "Oh, he was just this great." But he said over and over, "I don't. I'm not trying to leave the Catholics. I'm just trying to bring up a point here. Like, can we not talk about this? Quit trying to kick me out. I'm not." trying to be kicked out. I just want to know, why are we doing this? You can't, I guess, what's that? Um, what's that they're saying? He didn't have free speech. We know that. they uh not ghosting them, but what do they always say there? Not shutting them out, closing them out, canceling them. Yeah. Canceling, yeah, canceling. Mm-hmm. Cancel culture. Stephen went into the synagogues at Jerusalem. Notice, he goes straight in the synagogue. He goes straight into the opposition and says, hey, guys, I got a word. Can I preach? They said, sure, son, speak. And he, what you were preaching is not correct. For Jesus, you know, he's preaching. He goes straight into it. Risky. Talk about risky Christmas. It's a risky business. Uh, Stephen went to the synagogue and Philip goes into Samaria and probably Nicholas, the scripture says, into Antioch. Yes, Nicholas, by the way. That's a whole other story. I ain't going to get into that right now. But since he was a proselyte of that region. So with Stephen, made, they made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word. And listen, when they went, listen, when Stephen went out when to preach and he was speaking the word, he said he spoke to nobody but the Jews. So he still was racist. Check that out. We think it's still cute. We still battling around with all this crap. There's people today that are tired of all that. While everybody's arguing, we love you, you love me, let's get this done. Okay, yep, that was this and this was that and we're not doing that and I'm not doing that, so let's move forward. Praise God, let's do it. And we're doing stuff for Christ. And there's so many growing with that mentality, thank God. Because it's like we got to pop out of all those things that people are trying to make us into to run with the culture. And like I'm always saying, we are not a subculture. We are a counterculture, you know, and proud of it. I'm proud to I'm proud to be counterculture. Movement. That's right. You know, one of uh, I, I would like for you as you're talking about that. I think what what people don't understand is what a counterculture is. I think that people think a counterculture is a subculture. Yeah. Because the way we act, they say, oh, no, 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 this is what we are, but this is how we act. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. On this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. God's always been more interested in the heart of a person and the way they look on the outside. Jesus thought it was important enough to create a counterculture in the earth that he decided to believe 
to leave believers here to do it, which is pretty phenomenal. And he gave his own power and authority to use in becoming a counterculture. And, and you know, a subculture minded people, they're satisfied with surviving under the dominant culture. Well, don't rock the boat. Well, don't. These kind of people don't buck the system at all. You know, and the Bible says, and see, then you get these crazy buckers. <laughs> they they buck the system in a crazy way, uh, but they don't have wisdom to back it up. The, I mean, the apostles in the Bible. I mean, Stephen still got killed, but it his they couldn't even speak. They, these smart folks didn't even know what to say. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't even get a comeback. They ran out of comebacks. Because every comeback they made, Peter had another one. Peter had another one. And it says, and Peter was moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit was quickening his speech. And I'm sure Peter was, I, there's, I, I'm sure, because I've been in the situation before myself, where I come back in the middle of a debate with somebody that's coming at me hard. And I, I'm so calm. And I'll say something. And I'm thinking, Dang, I need to. I need to write that. I need to remember that. Like I didn't come from me. I've never thought that thought before, and it baffles. It changes the whole. Then they roll into a, something else because they couldn't answer that. Is that you know? Stephen, you were talking about a Peter. You mentioned you started with P, a Stephen. Stephen was, was Stephen. Okay. Stephen, yeah, 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 yeah. Stephen, and and, and you know, I, and I just want to say. Then they move through uh, Jerusalem, the Judea, and then they get to Samaria, having about eight years after the conception of the church in Jerusalem. And the apostles Peter and John took their first outstation trip, you know, to Samaria to confirm and consolidate believers. But think about that. It took them eight years to organize a missions program. It took God one day. <laughs> and, and those same people that were in the training program in Jerusalem doing the work were the ones we have recorded that went on to be disciples and, and become apostles later on. You know, or, you know, uh, Philip was known as an evangelist. He turned, you know, obviously his, his home was full of it. Because his daughters all prophesied. So it wasn't like, you know, they they grew up. It was a prophetic home. And that was the way it was. But, you know, they the context of the persecution caused the mission bases and preaching points to be opened at Joppa and Lydia. And these places happened by accident, so to speak. I mean, nothing's by accident with God, but you know what I'm saying? I, I use these, you know, air quotes. But but rather than apostolic strategy and design, and, and it says in Acts 11.30, and this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. And, and I, the reason I'm saying this, after many years of slow development at the Church of Jerusalem, the Church of Jerusalem finally had elders. <laughs> like, here's all the new churches. Started, built the structure, kept going. Even though Jerusalem talked the structure, it was so slow to move, it took them almost nine to 10 years later before they started doing the thing that got them scattered in the first place. And all the people that got scattered went out doing something new. <laughs> they didn't disrespect it. 
because you see them coming back around to Jerusalem. But Jerusalem watched them and then ended up changing. But that's after Peter got out and then James got in. See, James was of a different spirit. <laughs> Peter was a good man. He was a rock and he built it just like he promised. But Peter, mm -mm, nobody in, nobody out. <laughs> <laughs> you leave, you're not of us, and you never were of us. And if, uh, but if, and if you come in, um, you come in, we shut the door, you're ours, everything you got's ours. You know, if you want to do something, you got to tell us, ask permission. But people said yes, they didn't know. It was a lot of cultural stuff involved in that as well. But I mean, I got so many scriptures in mind here. Do you want to, did you have something you want to bring out? Cause I'll slow down. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I kind of, you were getting to talk about James, and I'm, 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 I'm Oh yeah. Oh, just how James, when James took over, he's, he calls the council in. You see James start having council meeting outside of his church. He asked the apostles to come in and help him make decisions. And, you know, matter of fact, you know, and, and then we see by Acts 15, they're having council meetings saying, Hey, now look, now notice this too. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but notice this too, because what were they meeting about in Acts 15? Um, should we still be circumcising people? The only church asking is still Jerusalem. Everybody else is like, no, we're not doing that anymore. You know, well, can we eat meat sacrificed to demons? Well, no, don't do it. Uh, um, I mean, unless your conscience doesn't condemn you, then then it's okay. But 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 don't drink don't drink the blood. Don't drink the blood. Can we agree? Yeah, okay. I won't drink the blood. Okay, good. And make sure that you visit the poor and take care of the the sick and elderly. Perfect. That's what I'll do. I mean, but they're still dealing with elementary. The new churches, none of them are even preaching that stuff. They're preaching it from the get go. When I going back. No old wine skin. We ain't putting on no collars. We ain't holding no, you know, um, fish hats on our head. We ain't doing this crap no more. You know, we're stopping this stuff. Nor are we getting into all this charismatic stuff. We ain't blowing no shofars. We ain't Jewish. We're not, you know, the anointing's on my voice. The anointing's on the word of the Lord. The anointing's on my groan more than it's on that gum shofar. And I see this make folk mad. You could preach on stuff today, but if the council meeting was happening, you would have to say, well, true, there is really no reason to cover your head. I mean, unless you want to, but it's a symbol, but it's really no reason. That's what Paul tells him in 1 Corinthians 11. You know, they're all carried, but do people still cover their head? Yeah, yeah. As a symbol, yeah, I guess, of oppression <laughs> in most places. It's not like, you know, you're covering, okay, well, what's over your head? You know, you they can't wear jewelry. And funny, women can't wear jewelry, but the men can, all that kind of stuff. It's so stupid. Or the men take off their rings, and as soon as they finish preaching, they put all you know all these rings on, and you're like, oh, now you're, you know, but you were spiritual when you were preaching. Thank God, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have come on you because you had a pinky ring on, you know, <laughs> stupid. Somebody might have misinterpreted the pinky ring. You know, the apostles stay back in Jerusalem though, and and the thing about it is, is I look for documents, and years ago, and and I I, I don't know where they are at this point, but. I, I can tell you they exist. <laughs> and where when they stayed back, they had a meeting immediately 
on what they needed to do to weather that and to restructure it. Again, though, good intentions. Now they had, they probably took the first three years making a policy procedure manual. Then the next three years, you know, going going through a change of leadership for all the people that didn't want to do it because they didn't want nobody telling them how to do stuff. Then they probably, because it took them like 11 years before they got finally started doing it. But in the meantime, all the people that got scattered went out preaching and planting churches that, that changed the scope of the world. And it had to challenge Jerusalem because they genuinely thought they was the bad dogs on the block, you know, and the only ones that had it. And even though the apostles itinerated among the preaching points, uh, you know, I call preaching points the different locations of ministry where the people went, um, because that's what they did. The people basically became apostolic people. They vanguarded. They went first in the regions and preached. And then the apostles came in and established it. So, and some people say, well, now we see a change in pattern. But the apostles never quit vanguarding it. They, they, they always did both. Again, they always did both. They went after souls themselves. Even when nobody went with them, they broke off from the group and went after. I mean, and they, they went out on one-on-one. They went out on mass. They, they preferred getting a crowd and influencing the whole crowd while they're out at the mall. I mean, we see examples in the book of Acts. They're just out shopping and something catches their attention and they seize the moment. Um, so I love all that. And people say that kind of stuff doesn't work today. Listen, I, it does work today. I have a friend, I know 20, 26 minutes. I got a friend up in the Northeast part and I, and I hope I can get the young man on the show sometime to to come in and start just listening and maybe talk to us sometimes. But I've known him since he was a little pup and he's always been really, really strong evangelistically five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, but he's 20 something now, low twenties. And he called me the other day. He said, look, I got, I got some people and we're going to go on evangelism and tell me different ways. People say evangelism doesn't work. And I'll spend the next month going through each style and I'll send you back the results just to show you in my neck of the woods, what worked and what didn't. And he's in an intellectual part of the country in the Northeast part of the country. It's hard. And he went through everyone. He goes, okay, today we're going to do street preaching. So I got all my people. I said, well, how many people do you go out there? He turns the camera around. He got 300 folks. I said, boy, where did you get them people? I don't know. I just started preaching about it and talking and spreading the word and getting it around and going to the park every day and telling them I'm looking for warriors. I'm looking for people who'll follow me into the battle on this day. I'm looking for those willing to be trained. And every time I'd go out and say it, I'd get a group of people. I'd bring, I'm like profound. He's a puppy. No wonder the church of the book of Acts worked. He broke out from that whole thing. And he's asking me, he's like, what do I do with the people? I'm like, you should probably start a Bible study. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can't believe I'm telling this pup this. But I'm sitting there thinking, he's already doing what these other guys don't do. But they'll preach about it every single week. So 27 minutes. Well, shoot, I didn't get all that far, did I? <laughs> no, but what you said was, that, I, bring him on here. Uh, bring him on here. You know that we we would love it. Bring him on here, you know? Um, I, I just I just love what you're talking about, you know, and what it seems like uh, is disorder. I know is blessing a whole lot of people because it's freeing a lot of people. 
And that's what it is that you're doing. It's letting people know that it's not a cookie cutter type thing. And we have run out of time. This is Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, who is a doctor in psychology and Apostle Barry Cook, who is a doctor in history and in oh, so many different things. And we'll be back next week when we're here still telling it like it is. Please sure and join us. Bye-bye. <laughs>